Hello and welcome to Move the Line presented by FanDuel. With promo code 444, new FanDuel users can take advantage of our risk-free first bets. Get up to $1,000 back. If you don't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Enter the promo code 444 and take advantage. I'm Ryan Noonan, joined here, as always, by my friends, Connor Allen and John Daigle. Connor, start with you, buddy. How are things? It's been a busy week here for us on the uh, 444 betting side. Yeah, I mean, that's that's probably the biggest headlines here. We hired uh, Sharp Clark uh, to do our against the spread uh, sides here. He'll be releasing all of his sides. He hit 70% in a super contest style uh, thing two years ago. And then last year he had 57 and 55% as two official super contest entries. Uh, we will be uh, doing a four for four super contest entry. That'll be his. And so I'm, I'm excited to kind of track along with that. And then we also hired... Uh, CRG futures as well, which is, you know, to be officially announced on Twitter, but, uh, does specialize in long shots. It's hit a ton of futures, uh, already. So I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, what he's going to be doing as well. Uh, probably take on some of the slack left, uh, for the weekly specials, you know, most passing yards in a week, most rushing yards in a week, stuff like that. So a few more guys coming as well. Uh, you know, really excited about the team we're building. Yeah, same. I mean, we've done so much work in the last couple of months trying to level up the betting subscription from a like a sports diversity side and, and have multiple offerings while football is kind of in the drudges of the off season and uh you know started with golf and have continued to to build off of that depending on the desires of the folks out there but you know really want to hone in on what we do best here at 444 and what our main focus is and that is really leveling up on the football side and you know with uh Daigle and then everyone else has come on board Really excited about um, you know Sharp Clark, who we got you know announced today. Clark is a outstanding writer, um, has a unique I think process that I have a ton of respect for. That you know really marries both film and analytics, and um, you know sides are it's a hard market to beat. Uh, it's part of why we spend so much time in the prop market uh, because you know sides are really hard. So um, you know, really respect the work that he does, and uh, I think he is going to be a great addition to the team and. Uh, you know, fits right in. So welcome to him. And now uh, we're excited. Daigle, how you doing, buddy? Doing well. Uh, also good because it's another person to jump into Discord. And so Luis stopped yelling at me to be in Discord. He'll still yell at me to be in Discord more. Uh, I promise to all the subs, I will be in there more when the season begins. Right now, uh, my back's against the wall on a lot of things, but I'll be there. I'll be there soon. Daigle's uh, grinding out team previews. Let's continue to uh, populate on the site. Uh, fantastic work um you know when the when the betting hits when the season starts we'll have daigle in there i'm sure firing off the, lots of good takes the most unpopular opinion to anyone was put on the side a couple days ago and that i'm pretty much the only person in the industry who's not drafting sky more and i give my entire reason in the draft preview since apparently no one else in the industry has that opinion interesting i've not read the chiefs one yet so i'll have to make my way over there so connor do you have something no, 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 no. I was, I, I was, that just kind of caught me off guard there. That was, that was exciting. I, I skimmed through some of it, but I didn't finish the whole thing. So I got to get back to that and read. Cause I'm curious. I'm not like super pro sky more or anything. I just, you know, it, like you said, like everyone in the industry seems to be like sky more is it, you know? And I don't know. I'm kind of lukewarm on all the other guys. Just, I, I'm curious to hear your reasoning now. So uh, I'll, we're, I'll check we're, just in, we're also in that time of year where you can say a few things and get likes and retweets. Uh, all you got to do is agree that sky more and Saquon Barkley are, the greatest players ever, and they're not going to fail at all. And uh, people will agree with you. That's like a subtweet of you, Connor. It's like, that's like your, your, your entire day is, is built around cultivating ways to get the likes and the retweets. 
It, I mean, it is. I my, my hands are like really dirty in the soil of farm farms Very right dirty. now. Like I am just like constantly, you know, farming for engagements here. Uh, and so far, so good. I mean, lots of likes, lots of retweets. Um, but I, I will say that uh, Daigle's right. You know, that to that point, like ag agreeing with like you know this this sphere we're in, this circle and bubble that we're in. It's just like everyone says the same thing, and they all like to agree with each other, and then. You know, it just like kind of boosts themselves up just for those guys to end up. This is what this is why I don't actually engage on Twitter because uh, I want people to draft Sky more. Like, uh, I don't want to have that opinion out there. I want everyone else to be wrong. So, uh, I'm fine being on an island, as we all know. Yeah, well, I'm surprised that uh, yeah, Connor is not wearing uh, overalls with all the farming. His hands are definitely definitely dirty. I saw him the other day, and you could see the dirt under his nails uh, from the work he's been doing, but. Um, we're going to do a, a show today without talking about Gabe Davis. I think that that's allowed too. I don't know if we can work a way into, you know, uh, talking about Gabe Davis today on the AFC North podcast because he's uh, very, very popular in the last week plus or so. Uh, but we're going to talk about the AFC North. We are, again, staying with our divisional previews. Again, uh, this is new to you. Last week we kicked off the series. This is a series we've done every year. Uh, kind of gets us right into the start of the season. And, you know, we'll do a couple of uh, of prop uh shows just before week one but we started last week with uh the afc west absolutely fantastic division that we all agree upon you know there's a chance for three playoff teams there and uh we're going to keep the good stuff rolling here on the afc north side so again reminder 444.com slash plans can get you the betting subscription over 444 gets you access to all the stuff that daigle's putting out there all of the bets uh, again daigle's not in there firing bets yet connor and i are We've had some props. We have uh, Clark, as we mentioned earlier, Sharp Clark, throughout some of his first week one looks already today in the site. Um, you know, it's DraftKings throughout, it's, you know, 4th of July. Everyone's out there doing their own thing. And DraftKings is like, here's some props. Um, but luckily, we have some of the tools in place that uh, catch that stuff right away. And we were able to get down on some stuff. And um, some of those numbers have already moved. And that's uh, an advantage of being in the Discord because we are intentional about simultaneously making those plays and posting them in the Discord um, before they go anywhere else, before they go into an article, they don't go on social media. Um, access to that is just really through the Discord. And then in the season, a lot of times in articles. So 444.com gets you access to literally everything on the site, all the sports, all the betting, season-long, underdog, redraft, uh, FFPC, whatever we're doing content-wise, you're going to get with the betting sub. So, all right, gentlemen. Uh, another loaded division here with uh, these four squads. And the AFC North is, uh, and we can make another case for uh, maybe multiple playoff teams. From a scheduling standpoint, they are playing against the AFC East and NFC South this season. In their uh, wonky 17th game, uh, each club is facing a squad from the NFC East. So we will kick it off here. And get started with the Baltimore Ravens, who are now the favorite currently to win this division. They are 22 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. They are 10 to 1 to win the AFC. Nine and a half is the win total number in most books. Uh, some juice on that, depending on which way you're going. Uh, they are plus 165 on points bet, is the best number for them to win this division. Kind of middle of the pack as far as strength of schedule goes at 11th. Um, slight rest disadvantage at negative uh, three. But again, we know what happened. You can't really talk about the Ravens last year without talking about the injuries that they had. A lot of continuity here. Obviously, same coaching staff back. Um, although, you know, Mike McDonald was gone for a year. Basically, he was 
um, switched Harbaugh brothers. They loaned him to Michigan for a year to be the DC. Now he's back. He's been with the Ravens for like seven years prior to that. But um, if you go over to football outsiders, they do some cool stuff around tracking um, adjusted games lost due to injury. And I think that stuff goes back to like 85 mid eighties and the 2021 Ravens have the most adjusted games lost due to injury ever tracked on the football outsider system. Um, key contributors on both sides of the ball, every level of the football. And we kind of saw that play out in the way that, you know, the defense was just abysmal. We, they, they were fifth in early pass down rate. We know that that's not how the Ravens want to approach things. Daigle, uh, get us started and talk to me about the Ravens. As you were saying, we are just expecting an entirely different offense, even in keeping the important pieces in place on their coaching staff, Wink Martindale in particular, losing him intently, moving on is a big deal because then that allowed them to ask what they wanted to do on defense and go to free agency and sign Marcus Williams, for example. Uh, Pro Football Focus is number eight safety overall out of 174 qualifiers and grab him and reset the market for a five-year, $70 million deal. Also, Clayus Campbell to add to their trenches. But not only that, getting Morgan Moses as well to add to the offensive line, that allows them to move Patrick Bakari to his natural spot back to center and immediately start Moses at right tackle for them. But then the regression that naturally happens with this team, not only being healthy, but also recall last year, they ran a league high 69 plays per game. And not only was it the most in the NFL, it was actually the 11th most in the last decade in the NFL. Not going to happen again. Not to mention that last year's team ran a 54% pass play rate in neutral game script whenever the game was within six points. And we use that stat, of course, because that tells us what they want to do. That is their intent whenever the game is very close and it describes what coaches, how they're approaching the game plan. Uh, whereas in 2019 and 2020, the last two seasons with the Morris starter, this team was actually dead last both seasons in pass play rate. They led the league and run play rate in neutral game script under 50% of their plays. And so overall, it's just a matter of what's going to change. And that's good. That's not bad. In changing, they go back to the same offense that allowed Lamar Jackson to be MVP in 2019. Uh, and in being healthier, including their running backs, including still a strong group of wide receivers, and more importantly, Mark Andrews, who developed into the tight end one overall in fantasy last year, the first time any tight end one outside of Travis Kelsey has finished in that spot since 2017. Uh, I think it's actually a great thing. And so the Ravens are absolutely my favorite in this division. Yeah, and that's shifted, Connor. That was not where we were um, you know, a handful of weeks ago. Uh, definitely not where we were when this market first opened up. But a few things have shifted in the marketplace um, obviously within this division too. But uh, yeah, t talk to me about uh, your thoughts here on the Ravens. Yeah, I think for all the reasons you guys mentioned, uh, you know, they won only eight games last year, but in Lamar's prior two seasons as the starter, they won 11 and 13 games. Uh, this year, nine and a half win total. They're favored actually right now in 13 games this season. So, uh, I mean, I like the over at nine and a half. I think that that's a solid look. They're only underdogs by more than three points in one game this entire season, which is at Tampa Bay in week eight on their four-point underdog. So, like, you're talking about, I mean, literally 16 of 17 games are winnable, and they're favored in 13 of those. So, I, I mean, I think that this is a great look on the over. Beyond that, uh, 
You know, I also took J.K. Dobbins under 925 and a half rushing yards. Uh, we played that uh, in our Discord a couple days ago. Uh, it's down to 875. I still think it's worth a look on the under. But I mean, so our injury expert over 404, and then other injury experts as well. You know, obviously they haven't examined you know J.K. Dobbins personally, but just kind of based off the extra ligaments that he's torn beyond his ACL, kind of pushes his recovery a little bit further. Uh, and John Harbaugh came out and said. He's not going to be ready for training camp and said he should be ready for week one. But I mean, the fact that he's not ready and is already kind of delaying, like the delaying everything, I think is a bad sign. There's always going to be time now to buy back. If J.K. Dominance comes roaring back in the preseason and he's ready to go, you know, you can always buy back, get a 50 point middle or a 50 uh, yard middle. But at this point, like I think the under there still could be a good look because he could be, I mean, sadly in a couple of weeks. So that's why I think buying maybe Gus Edwards returning from a similar injury, but not as severe. Uh, could be an interesting look in the prop market and in fantasy potentially. But those are my two biggest looks here with the Ravens particularly. Yeah, I don't hate that look. I didn't get in on it because partially because like, you know, by we see like basically the time frame nowadays for this is like nine, 10 months. You see a, a pretty quick turnaround and maybe there's something there because there is multiple ligaments. But like, I just don't know that there's a ton of upside in forcing J.K. Dobbins to be ready early um, from a coaching standpoint. Like, you just allow him to kind of get ahead of things on his own pace. We think it's going to be a run heavy team. So like come September, I'd be shocked if he's not ready to go. So again, for all the work you've done of late on unders, like I don't think it's a bad play at all, just from like a strictly unders and math and running back attrition and all those things coming off of an ACL. I think he's going to be okay. It's probably still the right side. If I were to take an under uh, or take a bet on it, I probably would still lean under, uh, but I'm not, I'm not necessarily down on him. I think he can come in and have a really good year. Still fall under this total though. So I, I would say regardless, um, the just the way this offense functions, like even, you know, dating back to Mark Ingram and all that, like Mark Ingram still had a really good fantasy season uh, prior, a couple of years prior, but like none of them really are like, 17 18 carry guys like you're looking in like more that For 12 sure. to 15 carry range uh if De dobbins is like crushing and healthy and i think he very well could um and that you know maybe in season kind of like when we know he's healthy there will definitely be some great opportunities to get down on him because i think you're right they will be efficient they will run the ball a lot uh you know i just think that they're going to spread the ball around a little bit more and you know i think that this line originally kind of assumed you know the opposite yeah I wrote this in the Chiefs preview as it pertains to Ronald Jones, but think about what Damian Harris did last year with 1,200 rushing yards and double-digit touchdowns, 15, and he still only finished the RB20 in fantasy points per game in PPR leagues, which is what a lot of low home leagues are now. You have to be able to catch the ball or be used in that role. That's why I'm higher on Ronald Jones, for instance, as I wrote in the preview. Again, go see it at the site. But I, I use that analogy because that's J.K. Dobbins. The last three years, the Ravens with Lamar Jackson have been bottom five and RB target percenters. They're not going to throw to their RBs. They never have. They never will. And so J.K. Dobbins does not have the ceiling. This is the same predicament we were in last year when everyone was hyping him again as a middle of the road, a potential low-end RB1. He doesn't have that ceiling because he doesn't have that opportunity, especially in a at best 70-30 timeshare. I don't even think it's going to be that, but at best 70-30 with Gus Edwards. So no, like J.K. Dobbins should still be a low-end RB2. Yeah, I was more of like poo-pooing the coach speak, basically saying that I think that there's like, I think that that's the right thing for Harbaugh to do to take that angle for him and allow him to come back and probably hit the ground running. All your guys' points are correct. Like, I still think like to Connor's point, he can get a dozen carries a game, be uber efficient and fall short of that number um, from a fantasy standpoint. Yeah, because he's not going to be ingrated in the passing game. 
he's going to probably fall short of current ADP, ADP and delivering there. Um, this is one of those like high tides raises all ships kind of offenses, and it doesn't really necessarily highlight a back, even though we know this is going to be a prolific rushing offense. Like again, they can make can mix in Edwards. They sign the you know skeleton of Mike Davis, whatever he has left. I know our boy Pano is in love with uh, with Trevor Batty, the, the kid that they drafted in like the sixth round or whatever. Like they'll find a way to get a good running back to support behind this offensive line. Like getting Ronnie Stanley back um, is terrific for them. They go and add Tyler Linderbaum in the first round of the draft. They have depth behind them now. It's going to be a really good offensive line. So um, on the defensive side, it was a mess too. They were second in run stop win rate last year. It'll be a strength again. But the secondary could also be special. As Daigle mentioned, the Marcus Williams signing was terrific. Kyle Hamilton, I think, fell as a prospect in the draft because of the way that the league kind of you know values the safety position. But like, you could not watch Notre Dame football last year without noticing that kid make plays. And I think that he can do that with the Ravens. And then if they can get Humphrey and Peters to stay healthy, they added Kyle Fuller too. That's a really nice secondary. So the pass catchers are a mess behind – um, Mark Edwards, you know, Daigle kind of pointed that out. But again, like if you're going to run the ball so much, it doesn't really matter. But Daigle, do you have anyone from this core uh, outside of Rashad Bateman that could possibly step up and maybe is worth a look anywhere? No, not outside of Rashad Bateman. That's the answer. Now, FFPC leagues, for instance, go 20 rounds. Underdog go 18. And so you should dabble, especially if you have Lamar Jackson with Devin DuVernay or Tylen Wallace, whoever you believe is going to take the slot role, uh, I believe it's DeVernay, but DeVernay also played both roles in his last two years in college at Texas. So I'm, I'm really not sure. Wallace more of an outside deep threat, but that's why everyone's taking Papa shots since that's kind of getting unique with our Raven stacks. Since just like last year, we do want to be higher on Raven stacks. Lamar Jackson wasn't an issue. He's a top five quarterback through week nine. Same as Mar- uh, Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown was a wide receiver one, a top 12 player through week nine. And then again, it's important to identify these pockets because then what happens, Lamar Jackson got injured. Everyone cratered except Mark Andrews, who was much more efficient on targets 10 plus yards downfield from Tyler Huntley. And that's how he broke out. Uh, we sort of got lucky and backdoored our way into a tight end one season, even though we were overdrafting Mark Andrews, thinking that we were getting a discount from the previous year. And so that's why I want to be higher on Lamar Jackson. If you look at my best ball tiers on the site, he's actually my QB2 over Justin Herbert, over Patrick Mahomes. Um, which is higher than the rest of the industry as well. Because again, I think we're getting a discount for a player that proved to us he's still a top three player whenever he's healthy. It's just last year from week nine on, no longer healthy. Uh, Connor Daigle said he likes them to win the division. What's the best way for you to bet the Ravens here? With the nine I, also, and a half? I also ruined it, Noonan, because last week I spoiled my answer. Yeah, when no you worries. asked the question at the end. Uh, yeah, but I, I do think they're the favorites here. They should be the favorites here, even though I don't think Vegas... Vegas likes the Bengals. Everyone likes the Bengals. We'll get there. No rules, buddy. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that you can bet them to win the division at plus 165, I think are the best odds right now you're looking at. So actually a couple, I mean, like a week, as a week ago, if you listen to our last show, this is before the Deshaun Watson certainty, both the Bengals and the Ravens were above plus 200. Um, and I, you know, we recommended and, and I, we mentioned like, you can probably just bet both those teams and come out ahead with a unit, you know? Uh, and now I think that's the case. I think one of those team, two teams is almost a certainty to win the division um, as long as Deshaun Watson doesn't play, which we'll get to that uh, in, a, in a second. But, uh, you know, I think that I think that that's a good look now. Plus 160 Ravens still my lean, but 
a little bit. I mean, I'm surprised that the disparity has gone that much between the Ravens and Bengals because the Bengals, as we'll get to in a second here too, are plus 190 to win the division, which is pretty surprising to me. I, I kind of thought that they would stay, you know, maybe both plus 175, like you're right in that range. Well, let's make that move. We'll talk about the Bengals. They are uh, 22 to 1 as well to win the Super Bowl. Same number as the Ravens, actually. Uh, they are 12 to 1 to win the conference. Go back to the Super Bowl. Uh, nine and a half, similar number, uh, different juice. And as Connor mentioned, plus 190 to win the division. Different strength of schedule than last year. They are uh, 26th, so one of the bottom few. Um, they do have an advantage uh, from a rest standpoint. They, they do have some other scheduling quirks that we'll get to. We've talked about the Bengals a few different times in the offseason shows. And again, we just don't see many teams go from a preseason win total of six and a half and climb their way to the Super Bowl. It's obviously very impressive. I don't think any of us thought that they were a great team per se. And they certainly caught some breaks in terms of strength of schedule, injury luck, not to mention kind of how the playoffs fell for them. You know, we talked about the Titans being maybe one of the worst number one seeds of all time. Um, again, like that was a young team that got their doors blown off in the first half in the AFC championship in Cincinnati. And they didn't fold like a cheap shirt. And I thought that that was really impressive, especially just from like a cultural standpoint, like there's continuity on the coaching staff. Again, your key playmakers, especially on the offensive side are young. And I don't know that they could have easily faded. And I thought that that was impressive. And I thought for all these other reasons that they could have been a fade coming into the year, but like, I don't know. I, I think that, there are all the answers that all the questions they had in the offseason. I think they answered in a big way in the offseason. And I think it was tremendous. Um, and again, we have a young core like this uh, that's centered around the passing game and the way that the NFL is played nowadays. I think the regression piece gets a little bit murky, Connor, uh, because they don't think it's as clean as like, okay, they luck boxed into this and luck boxed into this and they have to regress. Yeah, it's it's tough because, I mean, like you said, they added uh, Lel Collins, they added Ted Karras, they added Alex Kappa up front. I mean, I think that that unit, like PFS ha PFF has them in the top 10. R44 guy, uh, Justin Edwards, has them a little bit lower, you know, and I think in the teens, um, but still has them obviously much more improved. And I guess that was, you know, at least our biggest question uh, in terms of them as a like a roster and on paper. But I feel like beyond that, though, there were some other concerns about, you know, their run to pass ratio, how the, the situationally their kind of approach there as well. Uh, and so I think that some of that, you know, might play into this. But again, at the end of the day, you know, you're telling me that now you're giving Joe Burrow more time to throw to, you know, Jamar Chase and T Higgins and just like two guys who are like excellent. And Joe Burrow is now, I mean, at, at this point, continuously succeeded for multiple years now, uh, you know, stemming back to uh, his final season there at LSU where he just played incredibly. And you know, I mean, even his rookie year, like I wouldn't say that he played like overly well, but, you know, I would say he at least met expectations given like a bad supporting cast, which like Trevor Lawrence did not, uh, you know, it's kind of like that similar Similar comparison there. Uh, the only betting bit that I'll add here, since he is only favored in eight games so far this season, now that has to be updated uh, because of the Browns news. I think as we saw um, for week one, they opened at minus four and a half against the Panthers uh, with Baker and Watson, you know, kind of assuming Watson or Baker. And then now with uh, now they're assuming with no Baker for sure because he was traded and probably no Watson. They're down to minus one. Uh, so I mean, that's also has to be factored in the look at lines and I'll do an update there, but I still think, you know, only favorite eight games is a pretty, pretty low angle for a team here, which I think a lot of people have high expectations for. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned, I mean, 30th and pass block win rate last year. Now you're going to, you know, bolster that unit, give Joe Burrow even more time. 
Um, yeah, what are your thoughts here, Daigle? I think they're the most volatile team in the NFL. And far too often, volatility is viewed as high upside when it also means the bottom could completely fall out. And if that happened for one year, it wouldn't shock me in the slightest, especially after Joe Burrow led the league in both completion rate and yards per attempt. The only quarterback to do so since Drew Brees did it five years ago in 2017, we're expecting major regression just from those two stats alone. But then also think about how lucky they had to get, not only get to the Super Bowl, think about every last play that had to happen, including being down three scores at halftime against the Chiefs and roaring back in that game, um, kicking another 50-plus yard field goal to make the next one, taking nine sacks against the Titans and finding Jamar Chase for a 19-yard out route in that one. Just so much luck was involved to even get there. And on one hand, you can say, okay, but they did start the offense slowly and Joe Burrow coming back from a torn ACL. He only averaged 30 pass attempts per game through week 13. And then it got ramped up to six more per game to close out into the postseason. And then adding this offensive line, you could say, okay, well now he's going to be clean, but I would also argue volatility in that offensive line continuity is very important. And now we're scrambling these guys together in front of Joe Burrow. We don't know what's going to happen. Not to mention getting lucky and facing the league's second easiest slate of opposing pass defenses for Burrow last year. Not the case this year. Also last year, no rest disadvantages. So they never played a team on a short week last year. Uh, That benefited them. Not the case this year as well. Not to mention on their schedule, Chiefs, Bucks, and Bills as well. So I'm not as high as everyone else because I understand how much had to go right for them last year. Everything that went wrong for the Ravens, literally the the exact opposite happened for the Bengals and that they were smelling roses all year long. And I'm just not expecting that again. So I actually want to bet against the Bengals and prefer to bet on the Ravens this year. Yeah, I'm I'm so torn on this because I, I think that like, all those things that JD just laid out make absolute sense. And I think they're very real. Like, so the schedule stuff is like legit. Like they, the breaks that they caught last year, uh, some of the opposing quarterbacks and teams that they faced and some of the things this year too, like they play all their, all three road games in the division or in prime time. Like that's tough. Not only is that impact, um, you know, that impacts rest as well and travel again, even those are Sunday nights, like that still impacts like your routine a little bit. Um, the opening part of the schedule is very manageable. 15 through 18 at Tampa, at New England, then home to Buffalo and home to Baltimore to finish the season. Like that's a really tough stretch to end the year. But you talk about like all the things that went right and some of the one-offs. And it's like, we are also talking about some guys that we think are on the path to maybe being the upper echelon in the league. We're talking about a one-of-one quarterback who, again, had some pedigree, did it on the college level, was the number one pick in the draft. And first year with anything around him from, uh, you know, anything that resembles elite tools, Jamar Chase comes in, T Higgins gets, you know, gets to kind of get that second role fit where he kind of belongs and they just kind of take off. So I agree. Like some of those things are seem fluky. If you want to like regress them to a mean, I do think that we have to give them a little bit credit from a talent standpoint of being above the mean. And we see that with like historically with, Mahomes and Tyreek, like there's a lot of things that we can classify classifies fluky big plays that put them in a different spot, but that's because of the talent that they have. And they're going to, those things are going to win at times. So some of the other stuff, as far as like the injury luck scheduling, I think all those things are crucial. I think we definitely have questions about the coaching staff and maybe Burrow and Chase and Higgins were kind of able to like pull them up. 
um, because I do have some questions around pass rate over expectations and some of those things. But now we're going to have Burrow another year removed from the injury. And we talk about like offensive line continuity. Like I'd rather have a new line with talent than continuity with shitty players. So like, I do think that there's the chance. So like, I'm very torn. Like I feel like they're probably priced right in the market. I don't think that they, their path to get back to the Super Bowl is going to be way harder. They're, they're a public team. And again, that's why I keep using the word volatility. Not, not a bad team, not a great team, just volatility, especially this year. In this particular year where all those numbers, all those instances scheduling should regress and make them a worse team. Uh, but they are so talented that perhaps they buck those trends and they don't even matter. But the issue is no one is talking about those parts. Everyone's only saying they're just going to succeed with ease again, but I don't think that's the case at all. And so to me, they're more of a mid-season team to bet. Uh, a la the 49ers last year, knowing they had an easy schedule down the road if they were a middle-of-the-road team to make it potentially to the NFC Championship and Super Bowl. Uh, That's what this team is for me. Uh, I I prefer to look at them around week 10 or 11 as opposed to betting that on them preseason. That's that's a good point. Uh, I think beyond beyond that, if this was 10.5 on the win total, I mean – which is shocking that a team that just made it the Super Bowl does not have a win total at 10 or higher. You know, I would definitely be on the under nine and a half plus money on the under nine and a half. You could certainly talk me into it. Uh, but again, I think that kind of it's pricing in a lot of the stuff that we talked about and the best way to attack it is probably on a game to game basis uh, and looking at like certain matchups. And I think to JD's point, like they can literally beat any team in the league as they just proved last season. But on the, uh, on the you know other hand, they're going to probably drop one or two games that we're not expecting. So when those games are, I'm not sure, but you know, those will be something to look for in season kind of on, on our podcast as well. Uh, I mean, just to highlight it, Joe Burrow was a top 12 quarterback in eight games last year. And he was a, he was outside the top 16 and seven games. Like that's how volatile they are. This could easily just happen again. As I wrote in the Broncos preview on the site, uh, I have Russell Wilson over Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow is one of the most overrated quarterbacks in fantasy right now, given his ADP. Since even last year, he was the QB 10 in fantasy points per game. The only reason he was a good pick is because he was being drafted at QB 15. So you got your ADP return. Now he's being overdrafted. Uh, and, and so, yeah, it just, nothing adds up. Nothing makes sense according to how everyone's treating this team right now. Yeah. I mean, the fantasy finishes can be a little noisy. I mean, he was first in our second in, uh, EPA composite completion percentage over expectation first on, uh, on target throw percentage first in yards per attempt. Like those things I feel are going to be more stable and sticky. Um, I do think game by game is going to be the way to go, especially early, like Steelers, Cowboys, Jets, Dolphins to start, like. Uh, those are some games where it's like I do think you guys are maybe talking about looking at maybe future bets in season. That would scare me looking at actually the, the schedule that they have down the stretch. So um, they're going to be an interesting team. I don't know how to bet them. I think I'll take them game by game. They won't be a future play. But like again, I thought they were kind of looking back when we were looking coming out of the Super Bowl in February and March, and it's like man there's such a layup to be a regression candidate for all these reasons. Like they had games last year against Mike White, Josh Johnson, uh, Andy Dalton, Drew Locke. Like they played some not great quarterbacks, uh, stayed healthy, like all these other reasons. But yeah, um, but sometimes I just, um, I want to lean on that. I do think Burrow is kind of ascending to that, you know, top five level from a quarterback in this league. And sometimes those guys just pick teams up a little bit. So uh, I do think the Ravens are probably the best way to go about this division, but uh, interested to see what happens with the Bengals as we uh, as we get into the games. 
their depth on offense too is so bad. Uh, if either of those players get injured, like T Higgins or Jamar Chase, they have no one. Um, the, the 11 personnel would change altogether. And it certainly wouldn't be Hayden Hurst. Like we've done this dance with Hayden Hurst already. Like go back a couple years ago, he ran around on 70% of the Falcons dropbacks um, whenever he was literally a full-time starter and still only accomplished 570 receiving yards. Like we've done this already. We don't need to do it again. And, and so, yeah, I just, I just continue to worry so much about them. Yeah. All fair points. I think they're, uh, there's a reason that we went probably longer on them than we will on most teams because there's a lot of ways to go about it. So I don't think overall that any that we really disagree very much. I think uh, I see the volatility piece. I think that they can fight through that. And I'm, I'm thinking maybe some of that floor is higher because of what I think is bankable skill set. But yeah, I mean, if no one's upright, then that changes the dynamics of, of everything. And that's how the Ravens collapsed last year. So, And thank you to everyone for tuning into the AFC North preview. Those are the only two teams that are actually competing – so uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs> uh, well, the Browns are hard to cap. Um, we'll try our best here. 34 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. FanDuel has some numbers. Uh, 20 to 1 to win the AFC, which is interesting. Off the board from a win total standpoint, obviously. Um, and uh, Caesars has them at plus 320 to win the division. Again, looks like they're set up to have a fairly easy top, top 10 schedule. And uh, a little bit advantageous on the rest side. Continuity from a coaching standpoint with Stefanski. Van Pelt and Woods, that trio back for the third year. We don't know how long the suspension for Deshaun Watson is going to be. The suspension feels inevitable. Um, it maybe was trending like it was going the right way for them maybe a little bit. And then um, more women have come out of the woodwork and um, things are, are not looking very good. So, again, as Connor mentioned earlier, Baker Mayfield – has officially moved on. It didn't, he was not going to be the quarterback at any point for the Browns this year. Anyway, officially Jacoby Brissett season, unknown amount of games. Um, the schedule does bode well for them early in the season if it happened to be a shorter suspension. But again, all the things right now feel like it's going to be a longer suspension. So it's almost like we're having to talk about this being a Jacoby Brissett-led team for the entirety of the year. It's kind of the way they capped them, I think. But again, you can make a case that this is the best team supporting cast-wise that Jacoby Brissett has had. Definitely compared to Miami, compared to some of the weapons he had in New England or Indy. Uh, this is a great offensive line still. It is an incredible uh, running game. They've added some pass catchers. Again, they've kind of revamped that pass catching room, obviously with Amari Cooper coming over. They've added uh, David Bell out of Purdue in the draft. There is some hope on the defensive side. Like There's a path to success here. I don't know that it means the division. I don't know that it means playoffs. But uh, take a let you get started. It's just another season, assuming Deshaun Watson is gone, that everything has to go right. Like, you cannot afford any mistakes whenever you have a player who is average to below average under center for your team. And here we are again with Jacoby Brissett. You know what you're getting with Jacoby Brissett. It doesn't matter that the Browns were ninth in pressure rate allowed last year, an elite offensive unit who still struggled through injuries. Jacoby Brissett in five starts for Tua last year, averaged six yards per attempt. He's a career third stringer. We've seen this time and time again. And so to me, it just tanks everything and everyone. Nothing they do matters. Kevin Stavansky's offense has run uh, has recorded the 29th and 27th pass play rate in the league the past two years. So they do want to stay run heavy. We know what they want to do, but at the end of the day, you still need a quarterback to make plays. And so with Jacoby Brissett, they just can't compete, in my opinion. And that's kind of where it stops for me. I stop taking them seriously when I know that it's not Deshaun Watson under center. 
Yeah, I mean, so I don't know if, if you guys are paying attention, but a little birdie, you know, dropped us a note saying that the Browns are bracing for a full year suspension on um, on Deshaun Watson. Or, that is uh, what the NFL requested as well, right? Yeah. They, yep. they wanted a full year. That's why they had to go back to the drawing board. Yeah. And are prepared and the Browns are prepared to make a move on Jimmy Garoppolo um, in, you know, kind of accordance with that. So assuming that happens, uh, and I think that that's probably I mean, pretty likely, you know, if, if that, if the other thing happens first, um, does that really change your guys' views on anything? For me, it doesn't really. I mean, because for them to maybe, obviously, I think it makes them a better team than with Brissett, but it doesn't really elevate, like he doesn't elevate anyone else. He is just, he is able to be a, some of his, you know, parts quarterback, a guy who's able to kind of contribute what the guys around him are able to give him. Um, and, you know, with Amari Cooper, who's been, you know, in and out of lineups for the past few years, uh, David Bell, as you mentioned, you know, like David Njoku. I don't know. I, I mean, I think that I'd probably rather have Garoppolo than Mayfield at this point in their careers. But at the same time, like, I think it's pretty marginal. So for me, it wouldn't really change that much. In, if anything, it would actually probably give us better odds on the Browns or give us better odds on the Ravens to win the division potentially, or, you know, the Bengals, if you wanted to go that way. But for me, it doesn't change much, but that's kind of how I'm approaching them. It's just like, I have no idea. There's still a lot of moving pieces. I'm definitely not taking any, you know, I'm not definitely not fading them in anything, but at the same time, that in my mind seems to be the most likely scenario with the Deshaun Watson suspension and trading for Jimmy G. Yeah, I do think the Jimmy G thing helps. I do think that probably is the best way, like from a betting standpoint, we would probably get better numbers on Ravens and Bengals, and that would probably be the best way to attack it from a betting standpoint. I mean, Jimmy G has got to be at least a half win better than Jacoby Brissett, maybe a full win, I would think. Um, again, like I do agree that he is a prototypical game manager. We've talked about this a lot with, with like um, expected completion percentage. Like Jimmy G always leads the league and that's a coaching stat like that is Shanahan scheming things up for Jimmy G and him taking advantage of it I imagine Stefanski would probably be able to do some things the right way with him as well Uh, maybe things he couldn't do from Baker from an accuracy standpoint but Jimmy G also has questions about staying in the lineup that's kind of why we're at the spot with Jimmy G as well so I don't know They, they become interesting the defense is I think good where it matters. We have this kind of shift, especially when we have these very analytically driven front offices like we have here with Andrew Barry in, in, in Cleveland, where they are intentional about essentially neglecting the run because um, they were bad at stopping the run last year. They basically have done nothing to add or address that. But again, they're good where they matter defensively. Miles Garrett is the led the league in pass rush win rate last year. Um, the corners with Ward and Newsom are um, – really good they've added some depth there too so like they can be a better unit than they were last year um if they can maybe stay in some advantageous game scripts where they can really lean on their run game lean on the offensive line which is top 10 in both run and pass block win rate um they had an incredible this is a nugget from uh browns fan uh cleve ta who uh sharp better noted browns fan though the browns opponents have missed one field goal against them all season long they made an insane 96 percent of the field goals against them they were a perfect 12 for 12 on long field goals 40 uh from 42 yards out like that that type of luck doesn't happen either so like there were other things like little things we talk about one score games that worked against the browns so like i i would be a little bit more bullish on them which with uh jimmy but i don't think that they're still in the you know 
Bengals or Ravens standpoint. But again, I, I think that the roster is is decent. I get why Daigle feels what he feels about a Jacoby Brissett led Browns, especially fantasy wise. I know what Browns fans think. I don't need to hear what Browns fans think about the roster. Uh, but I mean, how, how many, how many times do we have to do this where like these teams with good rosters, it doesn't matter unless you have a quarterback. It genuinely just does not matter in 2022. And so I chalked the Browns up to a team that just doesn't matter. We can move on to the Steelers who I'm guessing matter even less. Um, they have, some they, all, they always here. get eight wins. There is that. Oh uh, yeah, that's interesting here. So that's a that's a play on the over. They are ninety to one to win the Super Bowl, fifty to one to win the division. Seven and a half is the number currently, um, and they are um, ten to one to win the division here. They have a very difficult schedule, uh, the fourth most difficult in the league. They are uh, negative on the rest side, which uh, is not great. Again, changing the guard after many 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 years with uh, Big Ben out, uh, eighteen years of the helm here. We have a appears to be a coaching or a, uh, you know, quarterback battle in camp with uh, Kenny Pickett and MVP Mitch Trubisky to uh, determine who's going to pick up the slack here. Again, it can't really be much worse um, from a quarterback standpoint, but again, uh, eight and two in one score games last year, they had a negative 55 point differential, which is very difficult to do those two things and make the playoffs. It is maybe one of the worst playoff teams in a number of years. Um, but maybe Daigle thinks they can go back because for some reason they do always seem to win at least eight, nine games. Mr. 38 fumbles himself, Kenny Pickett. I can't freaking believe it. He was a first round pick. Uh, anyways, though, for me and the Steelers, we just know we're going to see something different. Uh, I expect it to be more run heavy, but I'm also interested to see if it's a little more creative because what we do know about Trubisky and Pickett for better or worse, that they can use their legs. They do have rushing prowess and the past two seasons with Ben Rossberger who hit 600 plus pass attempts in both seasons as the Steelers finished a top two in pass play rate in those seasons, because all they did was allow Ben Rossberger to literally take two steps back and then dump the ball off. That's why he also led the league the past two years last year in particular and the quickest time from snap to throw. But what we also know is that last preseason, OC Matt Canada, who they just shouldn't have rehired after the preseason because Rossberger took over play calling for them, uh, did lead the league in the pre or top 10 of the league in the preseason and pre-snap motion and play action. And so I do wonder if we get a little more creativity here. I do wonder if we see more Chase Claypool sweeps and carries uh, Deontay Johnson still going deep more. Matt Harmon, for instance, of reception perception charted him as a player who has an elite threshold against man coverage and press coverage. He can win downfield when asked to, but they've never had a quarterback who could throw down downfield to them. So I think it's going to be very unique. I just don't think it's going to be enough to compete in this division or more importantly in the conference. Yeah. Yeah. They like some of the metrics on their offensive line look decent, but I think it's so skewed because Ben was like by far the shortest amount of time uh, to throw last year. Like he just, he was such a disaster. Just wanted to get the ball out so fast. And you look at some of like their adjusted sack rate and some of the like pressure rates, like some of those are, uh, actually looked pretty good, but I think it's because he was limited. He was scared because he knew he can't, you know, he could not extend plays like he used to. He didn't want, did not want to take those hits. So I'm still worried about the offensive line being an issue. Um, they were able to add George Pickett, which makes me a little nervous. He fell in the draft. They have historically over the last like 15 years been tremendous at drafting and developing wide receivers. So like 
George Pickens, you know, Pickens feels like a guy that's going to be maybe better than we thought he was going to be because he landed with the right squad. Um, as you mentioned, for some of the other guys, Deontay Johnson, Claypool can't be much worse. Uh, Connor, what are your Steelers thoughts? It makes you think how much better the Patriots would have been if they had the Steelers' gift of drafting wide receivers. Oh I mean, that gosh. would be uh, uh, unfair. Unfair. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, I, I, I'm on their under. I think that the under is a good look here for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. Tough strength of schedule. Uh, they're only favored right now uh, in you know four games this season. Uh, and then you, right now you're throwing out either Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett behind a bottom three offensive line in terms of pass protection uh, with, you know, I mean, they're like fresh in a new system either way. Uh, and as you mentioned, a lot of re issues with Pickett. I'm not a Trubisky believer at all. I think that he stinks and you know always has. It was always a product of the whatever system that he was in, whether it was you know some garbage time with Buffalo or you know Matt Nagy shocking the world with his new system for half a season there uh, in Chicago. But beyond that, uh, one of the beat writers that we had on our beat writer series with Mike Randall uh, for the Steelers said that it is like a near lock for Mitch to be the week one starter and that the Steelers are not even considering Kenny Pickett at this point and that it's closer between Kenny Pickett and, and Mason Rudolph for the, for the number two job. That's the battle in training camp, not Kenny Pickett and, uh, and uh, uh, Mitch Trubisky here. So um, on top of that though, I, I have something to pitch to you guys. Yeah. The, the B reporter's name was Dave L Dale Lolly. Uh, thanks Sal is Sal's uh, Steelers parlay that he pitched to me earlier today. Um, Mitch Trubisky MVP parlayed with Steelers to win the Super Bowl. I, I don't think this is even like allowed, uh, but those are 98 and 125 to one, I believe. So, uh, you know, I guess a man can dream, right? Right. Sal, I think that that's, uh, that's about all you're going to get there. That, that, that might be like something like a dollar to win a million dollar parlay right there. It probably is. I mean, that is a, uh, you want to have the ticket, I guess, Sal. That was a thought. You definitely don't want to be caught not having the ticket. If, that's uh, that's going to be one you're glad FanDuel restricts your account on. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of with Connor. I I don't think that it's really like they're it's a it's a camp battle, but it feels like it's going to be Mitch. It just feels like it makes a lot of sense to just put him in there, even if he gets it takes a beating. Like he don't really care. So, you know small little deal for them. Let, let him, you know, kind of get acclimated and give, you know, pick it more time to then get pummeled himself. Um, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. The secondary is a problem here. Like if they can't get a pass rush, which again, they do terrific job with Casey Hayward up front, obviously with Watt, like the secondary is not good. Joe Hayden left in free agency. Um, they didn't do a lot uh, that's notable to replace him. Um, or at least, you know, bringing in, uh, you know, a kilo Witherspoon who, has really struggled to stay on the field for numerous teams the last few years is penciled in as a starter. Um, that's a problem. And uh, you know, if, if teams can protect their quarterback at all against them, this defense, which has kind of been the staple of their success of the last handful of years, I think also has some massive holes. So I kind of agree with Connor. I do think that there's some value here on FanDuel under seven and a half because the schedule is really tough. Again, they're the worst team in the division. They also have the worst luck. They have the worst, most difficult schedule here as well. Some really tough games again, um, you know, bills bucks, like it's rough. It's, it's just going to be so interesting. Cause like, like Pickett even last year, he recorded the second highest 
Uh, he held the ball for the second longest time in the entire country among quarterbacks. But he also, Pittsburgh had an above-average offensive line. Uh, and so I, I just wonder, like, if, if that tendency carryovers, as it did for Justin Fields, for example, even though we haven't seen Justin Fields yet in, like, a real offense, um, like, if that tendency carries over for Steelers' offensive line that isn't built for that, they can't even move the the trenches for Najee Harris. It's just going to it's gonna be really interesting to watch him play. I can't wait to see, like, how he turns out as a prospect. Yeah. Uh, and f- for a lot of those reasons, we had a question here about George Pickens over under 499 receiving yards. I mean, our projections are well over that at 767, but I think that Paulson is smoking something. I think that is way too high. Um, I mean, that, it's by that, far the biggest edge in the prop in our, in our prop finder right now. It's by far the biggest edge. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it's getting to the point where I'm about to message and be like, Hey man, I, I don't know what, what I, I'm, that was not a manual adjustment, but I mean, that's uh that is really aggressive. Just well, he, all things considered. He, he updated today for Baker Mayfield and the Panthers. So uh, I don't know if he tinkered with that as well, but maybe ask him. We'll have a behind the scenes chat. All of us can, you know, ask what's up, but yeah, He's I would stay away still. from that. I mean, projections like it, but I'm kind of off it. Paulson's mad at me. I'll let you guys handle that one. <laughs> He's a grudge holder. So yeah, yeah it is. A, it is alarming. Like it's a big, 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 big number. I mean, it's like almost the same number that I remember we bet Rondell Moore last year. And more, again, a way more pass happy offense tied to Kyler Murray. Again, he was hurt. Again, these these are why these are outs for these unders. Um, but I just don't think that these guys are walking into similar situations, similar play calling, similar offenses. That feels a little high on on pickets. I'm not going to go in and take the under necessarily, but I think chasing the over based on our projection feels a little off, which is not something we can say about our, our projections very often. But yeah, I'm, I'm on the under here with the Steelers and uh, does not take much for me to want to fade the Steelers. Um, would love to see them uh, get a little bit of home cooking. What do you guys think about like an alternate win total for the Steelers here? Like, I think you're probably able to get like a five and a half, uh, like an under there. So you're able to, I think kind of like, I feel like that they could easily end up somehow with eight wins, but they could also end up with like, you know, four or something like that, like just like four or five. So like an alternate win total here, give me like a second and I'll be able to find the odds. I mean, would that be, do you think they're, they're like bad enough for that to happen or like their defense is good enough to kind of, you know, withstand uh, like, you know, that volatility because they, like, like Dago said, they still seem to come out somehow like win uh, every year. Yes. So like when you look at the schedule, some of their easiest games, just again, from a standpoint of we're like looking at this in, in July, they're easiest opponents or they're on the road. Um, other than the Jets in week four, that's a home game. Um, they go at Miami, their 17th game against their NFC East opponent because they had a second place schedule. That's at Philly. Um, they play at the Colts. They play at the Falcons. So we would think the Falcons are probably a winnable game. But if we're doing an inverse on the Falcons, looking at that home game against the Steelers is probably – a winnable game for the Falcons, right? One of very few. Um, they are also at the Panthers. So again, these are, you know, Falcons and Panthers. Those are winnable games, but they're on the road. Um, late in the season, hosting the Raiders, at the Ravens, and then the Browns. I, I you know, you can sell me on on any alt number on the under here. Yeah, they uh, they pulled it off the board. They don't have it. They only have the alt high number, which is over eight or under know, eight. They know no one's going to bet that one. Yeah, literally, it's it's like a basically a one way market. They Damn, took away your they, your two win bet you wanted. I I know. Well, I'm I'm eyeing some alt unders here. Uh, I was uh, I believe it was Whale Capper and someone else. It was Whale. Off, 
Yeah, I did some awesome research on the volatility of win totals. And essentially what him and his group like betting syndicate would do is they would bet both the under and over uh, alternate win totals on um, teams, like the most volatile teams. So like a, a great example is somehow Joey Kanish ended up with like a plus 300 ticket on the Bills over 12 wins uh, two years ago and also an under seven win ticket or something like that as well. Uh, but obviously ended up profiting just because it goes to the volatility of win totals and uh, usually they're off by an average of two wins is generally the rule. So for one of those reasons, I think the Steelers are a good candidate for that. A team we've talked about a, a lot. The Bears are a good candidate for an alt-under as well. Uh, and there, there's a couple more that we'll get to, I'm sure, throughout the season. All right, gentlemen, good stuff. Um, Connor, favorite bet here in the AFC North? Uh, I mean, you kind of talked me off of it, but I still like the the J.K. Dobbins one. If you can get a, a nine number at nine hundred here, which I'm sure that our our friends at Prize Picks will give, because all of their stuff is way, way, way higher. Um, and if if I can pick something on there, um, you know, Hollywood Brown is at. Well, I guess that's not in this division, but Mark Mark Andrews is at uh, 95 receptions on there. We haven't projected for 84, uh, and on most books, he's at like I think like 85 is like his over under. So like way way off. There's some some projections there. I'll be you know doing some more engagement farming tomorrow with that um, regarding prize picks versus DK uh, lines because there are I mean I'll say it though Hollywood Brown's Brown's lines were 30 receptions off. It opened a prize picks at 100 receptions. And it opened a DK at 70 receptions. I mean, I have never seen a gap that big in like prop like history. That is just insane. Sounds like a nice, big, juicy middle. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, again, I think actually he's probably underrated at 70 receptions, to be honest. Yeah, that's a little low, but pains me to say it, but had to. Yeah. Uh, how about you, JD? I still like Ravens to win the division and the long shot of Lamar Jackson MVP for as much of a long shot as it is. Uh, what's that number at now, Connor? Has it shrunk? It's got, it's had to shrink quite a bit since the last time we recorded that pod. Uh, let's see here. So we're looking at MVP. MVP. Yeah. 20 to one pretty much across the board. Um, I mean, it's, that's a solid look. I think that he is like, you cannot say that. He's still good. Yeah. Any, yeah. Like any odds, I think really like anything about 15 to one, he's a good look. Yeah. Don't hate that. Um, I'm good with uh, Steelers under as an uh, absolute great look and would love to see if we can find some alt-unders as that populates. The more I look at that schedule, just kind of talking through with you guys here, like the easy games on the schedule are on the road and they can win those. Like They have historically um, you know, won some games that they shouldn't and then more so uh, for, you know, good Steeler fans out there would tell you games that they should definitely win. Every year they just have one of those, like just they lay an absolute egg somewhere. So thinking back, they won on the road in Buffalo last year. It was one of the surprising early season wins. So again, good coaching can can make up for some stuff. But again, I think that there's going to be problems on both sides of the ball. And then obviously, as kind of the theory of this entire episode is quarterback play, you know, kind of rules the day. Um, not surprising, but talking about the Ravens bouncing back on the shoulders of Lamar Jackson, seeing if the Bengals can maintain where they've been if Joe Burrow can continue to ascend the questions around the Browns really pertain to the quarterback position. And do they even matter without Deshaun Watson? And if they just have Jacoby Brissett, are they just kind of middling regardless of the rest of the roster? And then having a battle between Trubisky and Kenny Pickett is uh, not anything that anyone wants to wake up to for their favorite team. So quarterbacks rule the day. And uh, that does it for another episode of move the line. We'll be back next week. Same spot. 
uh, Wednesday evening, Thursday mornings in your podcast feed, uh, Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, wherever you can find podcasts. Again, live on YouTube. If you want to come out and hang out with us, join in the chats and participate that way. So good stuff as always. For Connor and Dick, I'm Ryan. We'll see you all next week.